The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are listening to Know the Score, presented by the CSPN. You visit our website at knowthescore.cspn.us. Follow us on Twitter at KTSPod, and you can keep the conversation going using the hashtag KTSPod. Don't forget to listen to us on any platform you can choose. You have iTunes, Stitcher, Smart Radio, TuneIn Radio, or directly via our website, cspn.us. I am one of your hosts. I am Tyler Ball. You can find me on Twitter at TA Ball number one. I also want to give a shout out to our, uh, our, our co host. Uh, we got Don DeLorente in the house. You can find him on Twitter at Don DeLorente. Speak to the people, Don. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us again on Know the Score. All right. And there we have a, uh, a special guest who's uh, been on twice before, but, you know, he's always a fresh face. We've got Dwayne Dunham. You can find him on Twitter at the Libra Icon. Uh, and give a shout out to the people, Dwayne. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. Always good to be part of KTS and CSPN. Thanks for having me again. All right. Uh, just always want to give a shout out to my my fellow Aggie folk, uh, Dwayne and I. Aggie Pride. Uh, but then, ten school. You know, we were at North Carolina A and T at the same time, and we actually got yes, to meet sir. each other via social media. So it was uh, yeah. That's always pretty dope when we when we link up. Uh, today we got a few things, you know, it's kind of a dead period in the summer in, in the sports world, but there's always something going on. Uh, right now we are in the middle of the promotions for the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight scheduled to take place on August 26th in Vegas, which is the same day as the big three championship. So Vegas seems to be, uh, uh, that's going to be a pretty live weekend. But uh, right now we're in promo, and of course uh, Mayweather McGregor took over the headlines in most of all the sports uh, channels this week because of their uh, incendiary comments, and I use the terms in quotes. Uh, gentlemen, as I open up to you, uh, just discuss uh, what's going on as far as your take on Mayweather and McGregor and, and all of the uh, the fight promotion. Um. You know, I knew it was going to be one of the best promotion things that you could see uh, in a while just because it's such a high-profile fight. They've been talking about it for a year and a half, and, you know, now that it's come true, they got to have a promotional tour that lives up to all the speculation and and the um, egos of the two fighters. So, you know, it's been the spectacle I expected it to be, personally. All right, Dwayne, you're... Um your take on it? Uh, so it's really not surprising, you know, these these two are kind of two of the most talked about fighters in the world on their different platforms, and it's really kind of just, most people aren't fans of either one of them, so it's kind of just like, it's being talked about because of the high profile, but also it's kind of just like, who's the, who's really the lesser of the two evils or the lesser of the two trolls. And, you know, you got people that, you know, everybody's working. Is it? I mean, they're working to get the promo, to get the buzz going. And a lot of people know that. But, you know, you have some that just sit there and take it like 
it's real to me, you know. So um, I, I just like to say is who's going to outdo the other pretty much. And right now, Connor's got the upper hand. Uh, do you guys think that Connor needed to – well, McGregor – I'm sorry, Mayweather needs McGregor to keep the upper hand in the trash talk because – Number one, he's he's not necessarily a great talker, and number two, he's the favorite. So, does that need the underdog? Does the underdog sentiment need need to happen for this fight to be to generate the numbers? Uh, that's exactly the formula. Uh-huh. Uh, because every first of all, it's a boxing match, so everybody knows that Floyd has the clear advantage. I don't think anybody in their right mind expects Conor to win. So the promotion has to come from Connor's end. And on top of that, Connor has to keep the promotion about everything but actually fighting. You notice he's not talking about, you know, any type of strategies or any type of training. Everything is about, you know, insulting Floyd, talking about his height, talking about his clothing, you know, having his little racial undertones underneath there. And that's pretty much the formula that I'm pretty sure Floyd laid out to him is, you know, come out here and you sell the fight because we gonna, we need as many people behind you who think you're going to win or, or, you know, get people riled up behind you to get the pay-per-view numbers up to as high as we need them so we both can get this payday. And, and my thing is, I don't think Mayweather can sell himself as a villain because he's been used to being hailed as a hero when it comes to his promotions. Look at, and we talk about, uh, we talk about race being promoted in fights. Uh, look what he does. He, he's, he typically fights uh, people of Hispanic or Mexican descent, and it's always, well, I'm not him. I'm an American. So I'm going to get those people behind me, and you get your people behind you, and we have a fight, and everybody buys. So, I so it's really the same thing. I just think it's on a grander scale because Connor is white. Well, it's Larry Holmes, uh, you know, Cooney again, just mm-hmm. in you know, 2017 optics. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's the you know the great white hype of the fight game, great white hope of the fight game is Connor McGregor. So they found a way to get him to go up against the most successful black boxer there is. So the natural storyline is there and, you know, they just can't be as overt about it as you could be in 1985, maybe, but you know, they're still working it in 2017 because they got a lot of people writing these articles about how racist Connor is being. And it's like, um, there's a big old TMT sign right over their heads while he's saying this. So, you know, Floyd's in on it. You you'll probably hear everything under the sun from Connor except for the charges of Floyd beating women because that will probably be the one thing they agreed not to touch. But everything else, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Floyd's in on it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that too. Uh, yeah. now, now even Fifty Cent has has gotten involved. Uh, you know, Connor chose to uh, throw some throw some words at Fifty, and you know, Fifty kind of engaged with his. Instagram, who and uh, and now he's he's firing he's firing back shots. So now I guess the whole BFF relationship between Fifty and Floyd is you know on. it's on again for now the purpose of this fight. And of course you have the thing, which is uh, which is um, you know the tax the tax thing. I think is of course media 
is just using that to, you know, sell, sell, well, not necessarily sell Connor or anti Floyd, but it's just one of those things where, hey, uh, you know, Floyd makes more money than you and uh, he can delay his taxes. So folks are, are mad about that because it's so many millions of dollars. So I, I, I just think that that's more of a of the IRS using Floyd's, Floyd's lifestyle against him. But of course, it's going to be news because, hey, slow news, news time of the year. And it's everything's a go. And once you have content. Well, this is the whole reason why if you're a high-level boxer with any type of name, any type of experience in the sport, that you want to be your own promoter because, you know, you can you can make things like this happen. You know, Floyd could never do this if Bob Aaron was still his promoter. You know, they could never have the spectacle that this is because this is all, you know, Mayweather's thought process and Mayweather's, you know, this is his whole thing. He's running the whole promotion. I don't think people realize that this isn't Don King throwing the fight. This isn't Dana White throwing the fight. This isn't Bob Aaron throwing the fight. This is Floyd Mayweather throwing the fight. This is his fight. So everything that is happening, he's in total control of, and that's an advantage of, why he fought so hard to get out from underneath top rank and not sign with De La Hoya because he can control everything about how his fights get sold and marketed and he can get the, you know, $200 million at the end. And, and it's interesting that Dana, uh, Dana White has, has, like you said, Dana has stepped back. You know, once he negotiated the deal for uh, McGregor, he's, he's been pretty silent. And it's, it's one of those things where he's kind of, uh, He's been kind of ambivalent towards the fight. Um, he doesn't think that McGregor is putting himself at at risk per se. But at the same time, this is his cash cow. Well, Dana White gets to come looking as the good guy because he, in the public's eye and everybody else's eye, released Connor to be able to make the fight happen. Because Floyd's retired, Floyd could fight anybody he wants. But it was Dana White quote-unquote, in the media's eyes, who was holding the fight back from being a fight because he wouldn't release Connor to go. So now that Dana's done his goodwill gesture, it's nothing else for him to say. You know, he's done what he needed to do to get the favoritism in his corner. And now all he says is, hey, I think my guy can protect himself and, 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 and hold his own, which he needs to say, and just fade into the black. And then figure out what you're going to do to, you know, to keep him in UFC after he makes $75 million and how to promote him if he has to come off a loss. And overall, the real winner of this will be the UFC. Even if Connor, even if Connor loses, but as long as he performs well and doesn't get, uh, doesn't get knocked out or even the fact that people have, uh, there's been an awareness of the UFC now, Dana White wins, <laughs> which he always does. Even with uh, when Brock Lesnar has gone back and forth between the WWE and UFC, it still makes Dana White look good because of what you just said. He's releasing him. So, mm-hmm. so that's uh, so as we look forward to the promotion, uh, can you actually overpromote a fight? Is it possible? Or are the people just just fed up with it and they just want to see it happen? I think we still got a month to go. Yeah, I, I think, think it's the latter. Mm-hmm. I think it's the latter. I think it's just like people. I think it's this good to overpromote itself. I mean, I did like the the fuck you pinstripe suit that McGregor had. That was pretty clever. But eventually, 
as it gets closer and closer, it's going to just be like, let's just hurry up and get this over with and see what happens. I Especially with a real, with a quote unquote real fight just around the corner with Alvarez and, and Triple G. Right. I think that them kind of front loading their promotion is smart. Go ahead and, and get it all out of the way up front. And though, so then the last week of the fight, with leading up to the fight, you guys can be silent and not really have to say a lot to sell the fight anymore. You've already done all that. Now you just kind of, you know, get the buzz of, oh man, it's fight week, it's fight week, it's fight week. Oh, it's Friday. It's, you know, it's Thursday. The fight's in two days. You know, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen. And then you, nobody knows the mystery of what you're thinking anymore. Or anything. You go to the way in, you do your way in, you stare down. You may have a few words at the way in and then it's time to fight. So, I think that's smart considering that they had such a short time to go from announcing the fight to actually fighting. And then you, you know. throw in that extra $10 for those late buyers. So you do have a buzz. to gen- You're probably going to get another set of buzz to generate right before the fight, probably two weeks out, so they can drive up those ninety nine ninety nine buyers. Right. Because right. People, are going to, people are going to buy the fight just because. I'm convinced right. that. Right. I mean, it's going to have a whole bunch of eyes on it just for the spectacle of it, man. You know, even the people who don't care about boxing or UFC, they understand that it's such a spectacle. They've seen the things on the news and on Sports Center and on social media that, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, I'll at least care to see what the outcome is, even if I don't care about either of the guys that are participating. We just want to remind you that you are listening to Know the Score here on CSPN.us. We invite you to keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. You visit cspn.us and click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, or apparel. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends to CSPN a payment that helps keep the podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. So we move forward. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the NBA. Uh, we are coming to probably the end of the NBA window as Summer League is ending and the last of the few free agents are getting uh, deals. Um, the biggest the biggest rumor of the week was uh, – a possible three-team deal, which would have sent Carmelo Anthony to the Houston Rockets. However, that deal died when, uh, no, well, mainly because nobody wants to take Ryan Anderson's contract. Uh, and in addition, the Doug Knicks made a leadership change, which was finally done. They have a new general manager, uh, and he, he is formerly of the Sacramento Kings, after a four-month stint, which means he basically oversaw the drafting of the recent Kings draft, which actually looks to be pretty good with uh, main, the main the main uh, pick being De'Aaron Fox. Uh, guys, uh, what do you think about the hilarious uh, the Knicks saga and now Scott Perry, who is the new GM? Uh, you know, but there's going to be some issues with this control. Um, any opinions on this new uh, this new Nick hire and the new organization of the Knicks? Ah, uh, yes, uh, the Knicks are the gift that keeps on giving, and I, I and it just amazes me how the Knicks and the Rangers are owned by the same guy, but the Rangers have stability, and the Knicks are always in disarray. 
Um, first, of course, the Kings draft. Uh, shout out to Frank Mason, Kansas Jayhawk, National Player of the Year. Um, it was, I think, with the Knicks though they they're it's such a mess, and and of course, you know, Carmelo is in control because he has a no trade clause, and so and of course, nobody. I don't blame any team for not wanting to take on Ryan Anderson's unnecessary contract that, you know, that was one of those deals that probably shouldn't have been done, but it was done anyway. Get your money, whatever. But no team is going to add on to that salary unnecessarily, and especially to help out a contender like the Rockets. So um, it's just one of those things where, you know, the Knicks are still at square one in a sense. You know, they still they still need to find people that want to come to New York. Nobody wants to come to New York because of Dolan. And Dolan's not going to sell. And Scott Perry's going to have, quote-unquote, control. But he's really not going to have that control as he would like. And it's just going to be continued a continued mess. The dysfunction's still going to be there. And it's just, it's going to be hard to change the culture there. To me, this all comes down to the Knicks being dumb in the first place to trade for Carmelo when they didn't have to. You don't trade for Carmelo when you know he wants to come. You just wait. And then, okay, you trade for him. Now you got to give up all these players. So now when he gets there, ain't nobody for him to play with. That's, that was the dumbest move I've ever seen in my life. And it's coming up to be about the same thing now where okay, the Rockets, you know he wants to come there. Well, why don't you just wait? You know what I'm saying? Don't, you know, force something that you don't necessarily have to force. If, you know what I'm saying, if it doesn't make sense for it to happen right now, just wait. And because eventually they're going to lower their price or, you know, Carmelo's just going to get brazen enough stink where he gets bought out and he'll still be able to come to the Rockets and the Rockets might not even have to lose anybody. So, you know, I just think that the Knicks is, is, in general, they don't have a direction. They need one person to run like their whole basketball thing. Like I said, having a president and a GM, they need one dude to do the same job. So they have a one vision. You can't have a coach that likes to run fast break, up tempo, pace and space, shoot a lot of threes and, you know, defense is in and then have a GM and a president who wants to play triangle and do all this other stuff. And this doesn't match up. So it seems like they always get front office people who don't match what they their coaches want to do. Like, you know, when Donnie Walsh was there, they ran through a bunch of coaches because none of the coaches could please Donnie Walsh in the style they wanted to play. So eventually they start, stopped paying coaches and got rid of Donnie Walsh. Okay, we're going to bring in Phil. Bring in Phil, and they do the exact same thing. Get a coach who doesn't match with what Phil Jackson wants to do. And Phil Jackson, being so stubborn, has now made New York not a place anybody wants to go. Dolan showing his actions this year with Charles Oakley and getting him thrown out. So that's another strike, like you said, Dwayne, against free agents coming to New York. You know, that's kind of been the last, for the last 15 years, oh, you know, the Knicks are going to get LeBron. The Knicks are going to get this free agent. The Knicks are going to get that free agent. And they don't get anybody. So, you know, they just got to get a direction at the top, one direction. And if that means that, hey, this doesn't work out with this new guy in three years and Steve Mills just takes over everything, which is, you know, basically what his job is right now. He just, you know, is kind of sharing the titles. Then that's probably what they need to do. Improve their scouting department, stop drafting players who aren't as good as the players you should draft. Everybody thinks you're going to draft. You keep passing them up. I mean, they passed up Steph Curry. They just passed up Dennis Smith. So, you know, 
they're in this because of themselves, not because of, you know, one player or, you know, uh, a coach or a free agent even. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, Dennis Smith, uh, we look forward to the uh, – we're now in the summer, probably in the, in the tournament proceedings of the Summer League. Uh, Dennis Smith has caught a lot of eyes with his explosiveness, particularly in isolation. Um, he's, uh, he's shooting the ball really well, and a lot of people feel that he has emerged as the potential Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, despite the presence of the two obvious picks uh, in Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz. Uh, we mentioned we mentioned Miami with Bam Adebayo last week, and he, he's continued his great play. Uh, and also Jason Tatum, who's, uh, who's also played pretty well. Any other players that you have uh, seen in, in summer league play or any players that you're looking forward to as far as uh, – how they've played and, and wonder how they're going to fit in, in when the season starts. Uh, the Kings, the Kings, the whole Kings team. <laughs> um, Justin uh, Darren Fox hurt his ankle, so he played about a quarter the other night when they played against the Lakers. But um, or the Clippers, excuse me. But Justin Jackson was really having a great game. Um, I think he scored over twenty. He had like twenty five, twenty six in that game. His three point shot was looking pretty good. He's taken to the basket, so I was impressed with him. And then last night, uh, the Warriors, uh, the kid Ennis, um, he was on fire and he played really good last night. So you know, one more potential scorer off the bench for the Kings. Is uh, Tyler Ennis? No. Um, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm confused with Tyler. You're not Tyler. Tyler. I forget his first name. Um, but, yeah, he was really impressive. He had, like, 26 last night, too. His shooting percentage. He was, like, 12 for 20. His percentage was really good. So, uh, yeah. uh, Anybody? You've, you've been taking uh, Dylan in assessing that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, Ball, uh, Jordan Bell, I mean, I know he was a monster when Oregon played Kansas in the Elite Eight and Oregon won, but – He's going to make Draymond expendable if he actually plays like that in a, in a, um, in a regular season game. Um, if he, cause he's a utility guy, like he does everything Draymond does. And, you know, while I think the Warriors will keep everybody, you know, uh, Draymond included, um, you know, if they do want to start, you know, cutting costs, uh, Bell will be a good, good option to, um, less on the cost, less on the books. So um, he impressed me. Um, uh, Lonzo, as much as as much flack as he's gotten at the start of his summer league uh, career when he went two for 15, uh, he's really showed out and he's played very, very well too. Um, uh, during the summer league, I did like Jason Tatum. I think he was a good, um, good fit for Boston. Uh, especially people thought that, you know, Jalen Brown would be expendable, you know, because they're pretty much the same kind of player, but, but they're making it work. And I think they'll find a way to make it work in the, uh, when the main roster comes back and everybody comes back together. Um, I do like the Kings. I do like the, you know, looks like they finally got some direction. Um, you know, they got, they got great guard play. Um, I think Collie Stein will start to become more of a force as he gets uh, more game experience. And, you know, with Fox 
I think Fox and Ball, when they start to play in the future, it's going to be some fun matches, especially with their dads, both their dads talking all the time. Um, um, one more player, Tyler, before you start. I'm sorry. Uh, Jonathan Collins from the Hawks. He's been really impressive. Uh, I want to mention, uh, keep an eye out for Utah guard Donovan Mitchell. Um, recently had 37 against Memphis. Uh, actually, I really wanted to watch that Memphis game because uh, as I was watching a uh, Jayhawk uh, Dwayne, uh, Wayne Seldon, who's actually had a, yeah. a pretty good uh, summer so far. Uh, he may make Tony Allen expendable. He's playing, he's playing that well defensively. Agreed. Agreed. And, uh, you know, he could put the ball, and, and the difference is he could put the ball in the basket while Tony Allen just just yeah. isn't able to do so. Right. Uh, uh, don't be surprised if uh, they let Tony out, if um, they let Tony Allen go as an expiring contract or, or as a um, – as a free agent, uh, Southern's looking that good. Also, uh, Rashad Vaughn out in Milwaukee uh, gives them another option. Uh, as I think defensively, Milwaukee is one of the is probably the best defensive team in the East. But they need guys that can put the ball in the basket. And Vaughn has a lot has a link has a lot of length, which is almost a requirement to play in Milwaukee. But he can also uh, he can also fill it up too. And I think during key times in the playoff run last year, uh, Milwaukee couldn't find a guy to score. Uh, if to- if uh, Tony Snell was off or if Chris Middleton was off, then that team uh, struggled um, because uh, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo could only do but so much, and he's still working on his offensive game, particularly on the perimeter. So uh, you, if Vaughn makes the team and gets in and gives you – you know, seven to eight points off the bench. I mean, that's a, that's a real help in the East, which is going to be one of those um, con- conferences this year where points are going to be at a premium because, you know, a lot of East teams don't shoot that well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what, what he does. Uh, and my thing about Lonzo Ball, uh, I've, li- I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. However, uh, Lonzo seems to be, because of his – his uh, thin frame, it's going to be very difficult for him to defend early on. Uh, you know, he, he's had a couple of couple of uh, great blocks, but it was because he was beaten on the play and the next man actually stepped up, which allowed him to trail on the play and come back and, and make an attempt on the ball uh, due to his long arms. However, uh, one-on-one is going to be a question for ball on the defensive end. So, you, you know, you hope that he gets a little bit bigger and stronger, but I don't. But obviously, I don't see that happening right away. That that takes time. Um, he has looked great these last two games: triple doubles, uh, both triple doubles, uh, scored thirty six points, got to the rim with no problem against a team that was that was uh, you know pretty big a pretty big squad. So I don't see any issue with him taking advantage of getting to the rim. It's just. Whether he where where is he going to be on the defensive end uh, for the Lakers to make a uh, make a threat, particularly at the bo- at the bottom of the um, playoff chase in the Western Conference? Looking forward to the NFL season. Uh, we're literally a week away from the first set of training camps. Uh, Monday is a uh, Monday's a big day because you have 
uh, three players that are remaining as far as the franchise tag situation. And I'm particularly bringing this up because uh, there's one player that actually can change the entire Mm -hmm. NFC East picture, and that is Kirk Cousins, who, uh, you know, they have all Monday to decide whether or not the Redskins are are going to commit to a second consecutive franchise tender, which is going to be worth minimum $24 million for next season. Uh, Don, since you're a Redskins fan, just give us an inside view on what the Redskins will uh, decide. I've been saying all along, pay the man. Give him his money. You basically told him, hey, we're going to let you start. Let him start. He showed he could do it. Okay, the next year was okay. Uh, make sure that it wasn't a fluke. So he went out there the next year, did the same thing. Stats were actually a little bit better. Proved it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> so now it's time to pay him. I mean, he's shown you two years in a row that he can be in the top ten uh, quarterback statistically. Um, the year where he played most of the season when Robert Griffin got hurt uh, a few years back, he had a showed his competing percentage was very high that season. He's carried that on through the two years he's been the starter. Everybody else in this league trips over themselves to sign a top ten quarterback. The Redskins have been for the last twenty five years playing musical chairs at quarterback. The last time that we had somebody with the potential to be this good, that we actually got to see them play and be this good, was Trent Green. Trent Green had been a backup for three seasons, played here and there, here and there. Finally, they let him start his final eight games. Redskins went like four and four or whatever. And he had shown some signs that he was going to be a pretty decent quarterback. But we were selling the team. We were in between owners, so they couldn't offer him a contract, and he goes to Kansas City or St. Louis, and then, of course, everybody knows what happened to him there. But this is kind of the same thing. We have this quarterback that's shown he's pretty good, and we're going to play this game with him where, okay, we'll pay you $25, $27 million this year. They can come back next year and do an unprecedented thing and make him play on the tag for a third year in a row. And then when they come off of that tag, then they can't tag him anymore. Then they do this thing called the transitional thing, transitional tag, which that number will probably be a low ball. So if San Francisco wants them, they can come in over them and the Redskins can say, well, we offered it to him and he took the more money and went to San Francisco. So this isn't the last time you're going to hear this. It's going to come up again next year because he, he it's going to be the same scenario if he has a hell of a season and the Redskins make the playoffs and they do well then yeah it's going to cost us probably about 25 million more dollars than it would have been if you would have signed them two years ago coming off of the first year he was a starter it's going to Derek Carr did them a favor when he took less than 30 million dollars he did them a huge favor because I thought Derek Carr was going to get like 34, 35 million, 33 million or something like that. That was going to make Dan Kirk Cousins start at 35 and probably you have to get him with 40, somewhere in between 40 and 37 million to make it worth his while. So they actually got a favor. So they should sign him now and, you know, cut out all the BS and get it done because you got a guy who's proven he to you he can play. Dan Snyder gave a coach a contract extension, first one he's ever given out his whole time as a owner of the Redskins. And the coach and the quarterback have been married to each other ever since he got there, since he didn't want to, you know, mold RG3 or RG3 didn't want to conform, however, whichever side you want to take. 
So Kirk Cousins has always been kind of the darling guy in the in, in the in the in the wings, and now he's shown you that he can do it. So I think they should pay him. Uh, you got two other free agents. I mean, two other uh, franchise tag uh, uh, players in uh, Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell and Rams quarter, cornerback Jermaine Johnson. Uh, Dwayne, I know you take a uh, take a look at the at the uh, AFC. How um, talk about uh, Le'Veon Bell and you know what 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 does Pittsburgh gain by uh, gain by signing him if they decide to do that? Well, they will get the flexibility because you know you're already paying you're paying Ben. You already gave AB his extension. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell is probably one of the best backs in the game right now. Like he, even even when he's had um, suspension and injuries, he comes out and he can catch, he can run, he can do explosive things, and and so we really want to keep that. Uh, and the Steelers know that, and the Steelers they do things their own way. They don't um, conform to players' demands. They do things on their own time, and I'm confident that the Steelers will get a deal done for Le'Veon. Um, if they they may just let the franchise tag go go on for a year, and then they will give them a nice little um, extension the next season. Uh, don't be surprised if that does happen. I do think that the Steelers have enough family. They got that family vibe there that even though Bell is going to want a new deal, want a long-term deal, it's just really just being patient. and The deal will get done. I think especially with the Steelers, they the players know how how the Rooney's operate, how the front office operates, um, and they will – in time, it's just it's just one of those things where you just got to sit back and wait and wait and see. It's not a if they give them a contract extension; it's more of a when. And you know, if things go south, then they'll just let the franchise tag go on, and then and then they will make moves after that. They always have they have a system that where it's always next man up, but it's going to be very difficult to replace. A talent like Le'Veon Bell, though. I think with Bell, unlike most running backs, I would be afraid to sign him to a longer-term deal going into his 30s. But with Bell, if he starts to kind of slack on the running or you kind of don't want him to take a pound, you can always make him like your slot receiver. And he could probably have a second career just catching balls out of the slot. And I think that kind of makes him, if you look at it like that in a creative sense, that actually kind of makes him more valuable as a free agent to some other team. Uh, so the Steelers might want to be wise to kind of, if he does do the franchise tag this year to, you know, whatever relief, because Ben's probably going to retire after this season. And then whatever money he's going to be in for won't be counted against their salary cap. So they'll have extra money to offer Bell a better contract if they let him just play on his franchise tag this year. I was going to look at Tremaine Johnson of the Rams. Uh, this is uh, one of those things where, They've the Rams, of course, the, because they're the Rams. They've kind of backed themselves into a hole because instead of working out a long-time deal with him, which would have given them more cap space and security, uh, they let Johnson bet on himself. 
And, of course, he turned in a great season. He's now been tagged in consecutive years. Of course, they would have wanted to commit long-term and have, have this come down, uh, have his money come down annually. But now, um, he's looking at about about 30 31 basically about 31 million dollars um which is which is unreal for a corner uh but the thing is uh he, he's good i mean of course the team's not winning because they don't have an offense and uh, i think that he's uh you know he was pretty dominant and just had a just had a, a little bit of an injury issue um towards the middle of the season last year but he was fortunate that it was not a long a a, a serious injury it was just a uh, it was a high ankle sprain, actually. Uh, but uh, it's highly likely that Johnson will hit the market as a free agent, which means one of the best corners in the league will be out there and probably be the most sought-after uh, free agent out there. Uh, uh, it's funny because um, in 1993, when they first brought this um, you know, franchise tag in, they thought it would be something that the players would – you know, look forward to doing because of the fact that it was guaranteed. And now through the inflation, you know, the numbers are like a basketball contract, you know, where you see basketball players making $30 million a season, you know, football players, non quarterbacks, you know, $15 million a season is a lot. So for them to be able to get 30, you know, they figured when they collect the bargaining, they said, Oh, everybody will like it because it's guaranteed and such a lump sum, but it's actually such a hindrance to the players because with football being the way that it is and the injury risk being so high, the years is what the guys like. They like to get the money in the years, consecutive years and know that, Hey, for three years, I'm going to make $12 million and I can count on that. And so this, you know, the franchise tag has kind of been a more of a hindrance than a help in negotiating and trying to get guys underneath contracts um, because, you know, guys are always fighting for the years. Hey, give me, I'll take a little less money if you can give me some more years to guarantee I'm going to get this money. Guess that it's just this one lump sum that's going to be heavily taxed and there's no guarantee what's going to happen to me after that. But it looks like, uh, it looks like Johnson is going to end up, uh, well, he got uh, 14, he got 14 last year. And he's gonna uh, probably get. Uh, he got uh, seventeen, and then he's now looking at yeah, right around thirty point thirty point six. So it's gonna be above Janoris Jenkins, who's at twenty nine, and uh, AJ Bouye and, and Darius Slay at twenty seven and twenty five, and it's actually close to um, to the two year payouts of uh, Stephon Gilmore and Desmond Trufant. And he'll still be a free agent next year, which is incredible. Um, it's he's actually going to be whatever he signs, he's automatically going to be at in the three year territory of um, Richard Sherman and and Joe Hayden, which is well above his uh, his perceived value. Uh, so you know he's he's one of the ones that actually worked the system, uh, you know, because he gets a he gets a ton of money up front, but. I'm sure he would prefer to have he would take lesser if the money were were uh, you know for guarantee. Uh, so uh, as we look at the trading camp, uh, is there one big question that for any team, one big question are you looking to see something answered in training camp? It could be a, uh, somebody taking over as a starting position, or 
uh, what quarter or a quarterback that needs to step it up. Uh, Dwayne, what's your what's your one big question for training camp? Um, so the big question I have really will be who's gonna who has the best opportunity to dethrone New England. I had to word it correctly because the Patriots are on another level right now. You know, they won the Super Bowl after the Falcons blew a twenty eight to three lead and they got better. Like significantly better, and and so I see Oakland as uh, probably the biggest threat to New England, and um, you know I would like to say Miami is a distant second in the AFC East, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Um, but the biggest question is really who in the AFC is going to. I remotely even challenge New England. I think Oakland has the best chance. Let's add that the Patriots, one of the, the key acquisitions of the Patriots is um, slot receiver Brandon Cooks, which is adds to the core that they already have, which is which is one of the uh, better re, uh, better receivers, receiving cores in terms of production. And hey, you know what? The pick. Patriots have a weakness. They can't throw the ball deep. So what are we going to do in the offseason, New Orleans? Hey, we'll trade you our one guy who can go deep. Here you go, New England. Hey, guess what? The Patriots have problems at cornerback. Oh, guess Buffalo decides to do. Here you go, New England. It's like, what in the world are these teams doing? <laughs> I mean, they, 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 the fans trash the Patriots. The players hate the Patriots. And the owners secretly hate the Patriots. But they make deals with the Patriots. So it's, 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 it's quite hilarious. Uh, Don, uh, what is your, your big question um, I know. Well, one obviously with Kirk Cousins because the rest of the oh, team. Oh, I don't but... think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna get the money. So it, it's not even a, a deal for me. Um, my two things in preseason are um, who's gonna have a quarterback go down and have to sign Colin Kaepernick because it's somebody's gonna get in that pickle. And number two, just for my team standards, um, just please don't let Jonathan Allen get hurt. That's health. Injuries is always my biggest thing. I'm looking forward to not looking forward to a training camp, but that's always the biggest story. It's just injuries. Um, hopefully, you know nobody, a big star from anybody's team gets injured. I, I hate preseason training camp injuries. It's the worst. I'd much rather guys get hurt in an actual real game if I'm gonna lose them for the season than in a fake quote unquote football game. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see like whose quarterback is gonna get hurt, and then they're big, and then they're like, now we gotta sign him. Because it's somebody's going to be in that pickle, and he's clearly going to be the best quarterback on the market. My big question: uh, I know I'm using my uh, my team in this, but it is compelling. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to debut an entirely new secondary next season. Uh, they lost uh, they lost three of their four main starters to free agency. Uh, uh, particularly uh, Brendan Carr, uh, who's at, who's at corner, who was kind of so-so. Uh, they the only one that's actually returning is uh, is Byron Jones, who uh, you know who who made us who made a splash as a uh, safety. Um, you get Alan uh, Skandrick back, finally finally healthy after two seasons of being in and out of the lineup and. Uh, he has a reputation of being one of the better slot corners in the NFL. Uh, however, 
who's going to fill in the other safety spot. Um, it's likely going to be Jeff Heath, and the Cowboys fans are a little grumpy about that situation. Uh, of course, Dallas drafted a uh, – they spent a ton – they spent about three, three draft picks in the secondary. Um, however, uh, last year they debuted uh, former rookie Anthony Brown, who uh, actually had a trial by fire as he uh, started against – he had to match up against Antonio and uh, – uh, Antonio uh, Brown, Antonio Bryant from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and of course he got beat a few times, but got better as the season went along. So, as training camp goes, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who will the Cowboys rely on as far as the secondary because uh, they've improved the front seven despite the four game suspension that uh, that emerging defensive end David Irving will have to endure. Uh, he's suspended for failing the uh, for a uh, drug test. So once again, the Cowboys are going to be shorthanded on the line. But by midseason, everyone should be back. Does that so, include Randy Gregory in, in those plans? Everybody being back. Gregory is done. Gregory, oh, I consider yes, I consider him being done. He has another full season suspension. Uh, oh, ten wow. Season on top of ten games. He was. Just, he suspended and then suspended for ten games on top of the full season. So, so we may not see him ever again in Cowboys. Oof, man, that's crazy because coming into that draft, I was a guy I wanted the Redskins to draft because you, you know you can never have enough guys to get to the quarterback. But it looks like we done some bullet on that one. He was he was dominant. I mean, he was in Nebraska. He was dominant, and he barely got a chance to show it in in the preseason before his first uh, his first disciplinary action. So. Uh, it's unfortunate, however, uh, and it's really unfortunate when you consider that David Irving was uh, was actually one of the most productive players in the entire NFL on the defensive line when you consider the number of plays that he had. I mean, he single-handedly dominated the Packers in the regular season. So, uh, so yeah, that's – but the secondary is going to be key to the Cowboys uh, if they're going to improve from, from last year. And, of course uh, – that the first thing that comes to mind is the infamous, uh, uh, the uh, the last defense, the last defensive play of the season, where they gave up a uh, very long conversion to the Green Bay Packers to set up the game with a field goal and knock the Cowboys out of the playoffs. Uh, so that is priority one, and then of course uh, the development of Dak Prescott continues. Uh, hopefully, there won't be a sophomore jinx. Oh, uh, buddy, if uh, Scott, Scott Linehan's smart, though, this would be the year where he'd break out the read option stuff because he didn't show a lot of it last year. They had it in the offense a couple of times. There's a couple of games where Dak could have ran, but he never did. And teams started, you know, because teams are always coming down, stop Zeke, stop Zeke, stop Zeke. So I, that might be the thing you see to kind of offset the little sophomore slump. But you might see a little bit more read option pistol offense out of the Cowboys just kind of keep them to keep Dak ahead of the defense they did show it in the goal line some last year um he did score six touchdowns uh he did uh, he scored six rushing touchdowns last year as they uh they did some counter with him um but it would be very interesting to see them break it out in the middle of the field where it's uh where it's safe particularly where a uh, a possible turnover or a misplay doesn't hurt you as much uh, and the cap you know the cowboy Cowboys have decent special teams, and, and that's another 
uh, thing too. They drafted from North Carolina uh, Ryan Switzer, who uh, is a uh, basically another Cole Beasley, but he's taller and he has re- experience returning punts. So I would like to see some of uh, Switzer getting his ha- Ryan Switzer getting his hands on the ball. Just a reminder that you are listening to Know the Score. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at KTS Pod. We've come to the point where we're going to end the show with our final thoughts. Uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, Dwayne, also known as the Libra Icon on Twitter. Thank you for your for your guest shot, and of course, we'll keep an eye out for you as you cheer on your New York Mets. Oh, as gosh, we, um, the abusive relationship. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> in the second half, uh, last week we had the uh, we had uh, Felder from in the bleachers discussing um, the playoffs. So, uh, well, potentially what's going on in the playoffs in the second half of the season. So, uh, check that out on uh, the CSPN on your iTunes. Uh, Dwayne, do you have any final thoughts for for us today? Nah, just um, once again, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to. Come on, talk with you guys. Um, be part of CSPN. Always a pleasure. So thank you for that. Aggie Pride all day. All right. Don, your final thoughts for today? Uh, my final thoughts would just be um, kudos to the NBA. Um, Adam Silver in a short time has really, you know, gotten the NBA to be more of a year-round deal. Um, you know, they've had – three great finals underneath his stewardship now. Um, the summer league is bigger than it's ever been. Uh, the draft um, got really good ratings. Um, so I, I just want to give a big shout out to him for, you know, figuring out how to keep the NBA in this renaissance era for the NBA in the, in the context of the sports, um, you know, these uh, Lonzo ball sold out a couple of summer league games. I mean, I know their ratings have been, uh, astronomical not just for the lakers but just for all the games in general um there's been more talk about did you see this person or this game in the summer league than i've ever heard before so um you know just good job for the nba and uh you know uh, and, uh cashing in and, and figuring out a way to market this great time that they have with all these players and the interests of the young players coming in the league as well uh, for my final uh thoughts i want to give a shout out to experience um, of course, uh, as we record, uh, Venus Williams played in a Wimbledon final at 37. Uh, even though she uh, lost to Gabina Muguruza today, um, she have she has been a story of how how experience and how sheer will can carry someone through through anything. Uh, she's an inspiration. She's one half of arguably the greatest story in all of sports. Uh, you know her story. You know her sister's story. Um, but for, for it today, it's about her. It's about her fighting through uh, tragedy, uh, being involved in an accident that took the life of a um, passenger where it was ruled that, that at first ruled that she was at fault in driving. And then uh, less than a few days later, there was a second opinion and it was determined that she was lawfully in the intersection before impact so uh, that was of course physically draining Um, many of you saw her pretty much break down at a press conference and yet she went out and played some of the best tennis that she's played probably in uh, four or five years 
Uh, she's actually going to be back in the top 10 of the world rankings um, after slipping all the way down to the to the low hundreds uh, after battling her her set of injuries. Um, it's good to see her back on back on her terms. Um, I think that's what this tournament proved that she still can play great tennis better than most of the players in the world, actually. Um, Muguruza became the first person to win a final over the Williams sisters, which, you know, you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't know it was going to be this long before somebody had the, uh, just the sheer, the, the will and the luck to defeat both Williams sisters in a final that just speaks to their dominance. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to endurance. Uh, that is the story of Jonathan Simmons. Uh, who paid for a who paid $150 after not being drafted? Uh, he paid $150 to try out for the Austin Spurs of the NBDL. Um, of course, he made the team, and he uh, not only did he make the team, but he played in 70, 78 games uh, this season, his second year with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, in the playoffs, he doubled his average, went up from 6.2 points to 11 points a game, filling in for the injured Kawhi Leonard. And, of course, yesterday, it all capped up to signing a three-year, $20 million deal with the Orlando Magic. You know, negotiations broke down with the Spurs. So once the Spurs renounced his rights as a restricted free agent, Orlando snapped him up immediately. Uh, came as a, It almost comes as a has a shock that someone is able to, to lead the Spurs. But the story, the real story is Jonathan Simmons was literally down to his last dollar and uh, tried out and made the, made the Spurs. And now he is uh, seeing his financial blessing. And it's a, it's definitely a rags to riches story. Um, it just uh, is awe inspiring. And, you know, it's one of those where the classic hard work, and determination and you will be successful if you believe and that's how we're going to close it out here for our co-host Don DeLorente for our guest the Libra icon Dwayne Dunham I am Tyler Ball and now you know the score <laughs>